Hi everyone, and welcome back to the news podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by two of our friends to discuss the pressures felt to be a good feminist and uphold certain values in the way that we act and behave in our day-to-day lives, and actually whether these perceptions on so-called good and bad feminism actually even exist. To start off with, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Faye. And hi, I'm Mitra. I want to ask you guys whether you've ever felt like a bad feminist to start off with. Because I certainly have, especially in regards to the way I navigate relationships or friendships or even other things like shaving. When I found out the whole shaving industry was started as a way to profit off women by introducing an insecurity where an insecurity didn't need to exist to line the pockets of already rich men, I literally swore I would never ever ever shave again. And here I am, every couple of days in the shower, shaving my legs, shaving my arms, shaving whatever. And I think I do harbour some level of guilt when it comes to that stuff. I mean, I could definitely lie and say that I literally only do it for me. I mean, I do, I love, I, I, I do like shaving, but I also think I do it to look a certain way. And I don't really think the idea came from me. It definitely did come from beauty standards, if we're being honest. And so... Am I succumbing to patriarchal conditioning? Yeah. Do I feel bad about it? Yeah. Am I going to stop? Probably not. And yeah, that does make me feel like a bad feminist. I definitely agree. Like, especially what you were saying about shaving and things like that. Things that have been introduced by men to make women feel uncomfortable or insecure about things. Whenever I then do them and feel good about myself, I then feel like I'm being a bad feminist. Whereas actually it is kind of just part of being a feminist of being happy in a society that doesn't want you to be. So it's the same thing with whether it's doing my hair or like um, looking really nice when I'm going to a form or something, wearing makeup or wearing heels or something. Like if I feel more powerful in heels than in trainers, I sometimes then feel like I'm being a bad feminist because I shouldn't, like I hate wearing stilettos. They're really uncomfortable. They hurt my feet. And yet there's something about them that makes me feel more like feminine in inverted commas. So I definitely feel like, I do feel like a bad feminist in that respect quite regularly to be honest and then I have to kind of reprogram myself and remind myself that actually you know that's not what feminism is about it's not about you know beating yourself up for not like kind of ticking all of the boxes of what I don't know maybe in the 60s was something that was associated with feminism so I think to be honest like maybe we need to redefine it as a a movement or as a culture so that we stop feeling guilty because that's kind of you know it's not helping anyone. So I think when I feel or when I felt the worst kind of feminist that I've been it's probably when I was in secondary school and I often found myself kind of staying silent when someone said something that I disagreed with whether or not it was to do with you know being a feminist I was just really really scared of being put in that category of being like an outspoken woman and I I don't know I feel a lot of shame about uh, about that because it it doesn't makes sense that we should feel shame just for speaking out um and I think it's it comes from a place of wanting to feel comfortable and also wanting to maybe seek validation from particularly men or or people that whose opinions we shouldn't really value um and I think that's probably in in hindsight the the 
the worst feminism that I've experienced or the most anti-feminist that I've I've been is by not standing up for myself or other people. Yeah, just building on what Faye was saying, um, I suppose I find sometimes participating within the feminist movement, it can be quite exhausting um, at times because you're you're constantly being reminded of these barriers and these um, these difficulties that still exist um, and you're fighting against them. And um, I think the times where I felt probably like a bad feminist, but I would argue isn't bad feminism, is when I've, I've actively chosen not to take part in feminist movements, just, just out of well-being, just to kind of take a break um, because it can it can get quite a lot um, and it can be quite stressful. So you feel like a bad feminist for, you know, not always standing up for what you believe in and always fighting for it. But sometimes I think it's, you know, it's OK to take a back seat at times and let someone else take over the fight for a little bit. And then you can you can come back and join in. Um, yeah, that's my two cents on it. I definitely agree with what Mitra was saying about like having to take a break. Um, but also I think it's an important thing when you get put in a different situation. So for example, when if you're coming from an all boys school and then being put into like a mixed sixth form or a girls school and vice versa, because I know that's definitely an experience that that I had, that I think some of my for sure worst feminist behavior came from that situation. Because I think especially for me and a lot of other girls in my situation, we came from a place that was very I would say very feminist we all had each other's backs and we all knew a lot about feminism but suddenly when you're in especially like a male dominated environment you somehow begin to doubt that and also I think you try to give just as good people you want to give people a lot of second chances and you try to see the best in people without necessarily seeing like all the red flags and the alarm bells and things like that and it turns out into being quite like you're allowing quite bad behavior to go on and quite anti-feminist behavior purely just through trying to be accepted or trying to be a good person um and just I guess the shock of being in a new situation um but again like I feel like that's not necessarily us being bad feminists and more again just if people are doing bad things or you know whether it's misconduct or disrespectful behavior that's still on them and not on how we as women react to it that that shouldn't be our responsibility to take ultimately I think another thing going off that is the question, do you think that if feminism didn't affect you as directly, would you still be a part of the movement? So when Harini and I were talking about this earlier, um, we were thinking, for example, for the Black Lives Matter movement, um, can, you know, white people can't bring the same things to the table to the conversation because it's not something that we experience. And therefore, do you think that if we were men, would we be as like involved in the feminist movement? Would we have as many things to, to discuss? Um, it's just like an interesting question to ask ourselves. I personally think that I would still be quite involved in the feminist movement, but I think naturally I would be involved in a very different way um, because the dynamic is slightly different uh, because we currently live in sort of a patriarchal society. Therefore, women are the oppressed group in that scenario. Hence, if I was a man, the involvement I would have in the feminist movement would be more one of support and engagement uh, rather than necessarily leading on women's rights, because I think you should be empowering the women around you to feel confident to you know take that step to do that leading uh, and supporting them through that journey and carving path out for them to do that. I'd also say that feminism, whilst yeah, it starts with the word fem as in female, feminism does mean equality, so it's fighting for both men and women's rights. So 
probably engaging more with the side of you know allowing men to sort of express their feelings um, and talk about what's going on in their lives. Whilst that's something I engage in definitely currently as a woman, I think as a man, obviously the dynamic as it changes with engaging um, in women's rights would then you know similarly change when engaging with men's rights as well. Yeah, so just to echo what Mitra said, I would really, really like to believe I would. I mean, even in regards to BLM or the LGBTQ plus movement, like, even though we might not understand the legacies of oppression, conflict, or the histories associated with that on a community level, we're definitely in a position where we can educate ourselves on them and join these movements as allies assisting to empower other people's voices so yeah I'd like to think that if I was a guy I'd do the same and call myself a feminist to help empower women's voices just because it's the morally correct thing to do but just building from that even if I wasn't a man if I was a woman who had different experiences like if I wasn't a woman of colour or had a different financial background or you know had any number of different intersectionalities associated with my identity of being a woman I still think I'd be a feminist. Maybe I'd be involved differently if I was white. I would still push for intersectional approaches, but maybe I wouldn't want to be at the forefront of it. Maybe I'd want to let women of colour speak to their stories or I'd just be associated with the feminist movement slightly differently, I think. But I mean, Faye, you'll know more about this than I do because you put me on Fleabag. But there's a scene in Fleabag where, well, actually two scenes where Fleabag and his sister are sitting in this lecture or something and they both put their hands up in a scenario where they were asked if you could take five years off your life to look a different way would you and I think Fleabag also says something like would I be a feminist if I had bigger tits and that's basically the same argument like if you weren't as oppressed or if you related to the movement differently or had certain privileges would you still be part of it would you put the effort in to educate yourself because it is putting effort in to be an ally Or would you just continue to live in your own little bubble? And that is really the question we've got to ask ourselves as individuals. Yeah, I think it's always much easier to talk about your own experience than to try and educate yourself and empathise with other people. Just because um, when you're a woman under the patriarchy, it's it's a reactive thing. Um, Feminism is a reactive thing. Whereas when you're a man then you have to actively seek to educate yourself about women's experience, give them a platform to speak on. And it it kind of, it takes up a little bit more energy. So I think, I think if I was not who I am under, under the patriarchy, it would perhaps be a, a lot more difficult to engage with feminism. Yeah, even though it can definitely be difficult and you're right about how active I guess it is I don't think that's any excuse or excuse to like hide behind or anything because keeping yourself educated is still really important and it's an effort that should be put in but feminism is definitely a journey on many fronts of empowerment of self-growth and of education too so I guess that kind of leads me on to the next question which is do you think your younger selves today would be proud of the feminist that you are? I think my younger self would be proud. Maybe not always, but definitely at the version that I am today. I think for me, feminism has always been about healing, which is funny because it sort of is a fight that we put up 
every day and a struggle to make yourself heard and stuff like that but I've definitely healed in the process of doing so like it's helped me through things helped me understand things and of myself and we now have this podcast and that's really great um but yeah how do you guys feel yeah I remember um writing this question with you Harini because I think as you were saying it's such a journey becoming you know your feminist self as a as a young woman that I think depending on which which aged me you asked she either would or wouldn't be proud of of the kind of feminist that I am now because to be honest I think when I started being a feminist I was it was a very (laughs) draconian almost puritan version of feminism where I like I didn't wear makeup and I didn't do my hair and I never dressed up for things because I was like it's all you know maintaining the patriarchy and I think you know I've definitely done a full circle since then um but I think there's been so many different parts in between I think if you asked my year 12 year 13 self and like told them about the podcast that we have now then she definitely would be proud so I think because there are so many different stages almost that you go through before you know what your own feminism means to you I definitely think there are there are probably parts of parts of me now that my younger self would disagree with and also parts that she'd be really proud of so I think that's it's a very complicated it's a complicated thing to identify as, to be honest, because over the last, even the last 10 years, every time that I've said I'm a feminist, I probably mean something slightly different. I don't know if that's something that anyone else can relate to. I definitely um, agree with what Camille was saying about my idea of feminism changing over time, drawing on that sort of idea of it being a journey that Harini was talking about. Personally, I think what's kind of stuck with me my whole life is that I'm a very principled person. Um, and I tend to kind of live by certain principles Um, and not to say that those principles always remain the same I think my feminist journey has definitely been defined by redefining those principles even in terms of you know developing through experiences that I've had and educating myself to better understand feminism such as intersectionality and viewing feminism um, and the fluidity of gender to be more than just you know men and women that are involved in the conversation because obviously gender is not binary so I think that's definitely shaped what I believe my principles to be and how I stand up for myself how I stand up for other people and what I believe in and you know there's definitely been times where I've slipped and I've probably been you know quote marks a bad feminist um but I think I've been able to recognize it and correct myself and continue to educate myself on it and for that I think probably my younger self would be proud of myself um because I recognize I'm not perfect um but I've done my best and I think that's probably what matters no honestly I I do agree with you because I've redefined it like I've redefined what it means to me at different points in my life and it's it's actually really interesting that I have like if I go back Me and Camille discussed this when we were writing the questions. When I first heard of feminism, I was like, oh, I actually don't know if I want to be part of that. Like, I was so scared of it because I thought that feminism was just women running around the street, topless and burning their bras. And I must have been so young and I've, I've not got a clue where I got that image from. And I was like, wow, I mean, I guess that's empowering, but I definitely did not want to partake myself. I didn't, I didn't want to do it because I was scared. And then you you start that journey and you start redefining it. Like before I got to sixth form, a defining moment in our lives, I'm sure Kelvina, Camille and Mitra agree. And Faye knows too, because I don't shut up about it. But I had this idea of what feminism was. And it was when I started to speak to other people, speak to other girls, 
And it's actually when we started Feminist Society and people came and did talks and I just listened. And that listening redefined it for me again. I realised that there is definitely life outside my little feminist bubble, my individual feminist bubble. And feminism affects so many people, it stretches across so many people, it's such a big thing. And I think I knew that intrinsically, but talking to people really solidified it. And it's that sisterhood. I think my younger self would be proud that I had that sort of solidarity and sisterhood, that I was part of a movement fighting for something. Like, even if I don't do it perfectly all the time, or I'm, you know, a bad feminist, whatever that means, it's the fact that I'm fighting than not at all. I'm putting time and effort into an outlet that's positive, like like you said, Mitra. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with the idea of it as a, as a journey. And um, I think it's really important, as like Mitra was saying, when it comes to um, trying your hardest just to forgive yourself for being imperfect sometimes. No one's going to be born like the perfect feminist and then do everything the right way. Often it takes kind of making mistakes to perfect it if you if you can perfect it and to be honest like I don't know whether my younger self I would consider my younger self a feminist because I think she was quite afraid of being affiliated with it just because you know you'd see how people would react to it um and and how people who's like how men would react to it young guys in like PSHE or RE class and you would just think that it's like less trouble to to go like unlabeled and just to say that you want equality. But um, I, I soon realized that that obviously was not the case. And I, I think I'd probably say my younger self would be proud of me for, for breaking out of that need to please people. But um, yeah, definitely just kind of learning to forgive yourself for making mistakes is important. Really quickly before we go on to the next question, just to kind of reassure anyone else who's listening. I mean, Faye, you mentioned about like, you don't know whether your younger self would have labelled herself a feminist. I mean, I know that I definitely went through a stage of saying that I wasn't a feminist because of the things that I thought associated with. I mean, Harini, Mitra, if you've been the same way, then that kind of makes it like four out of four. If, if anyone is listening that is in that stage of life or thinks that somehow they're a bad feminist because when they were younger, they didn't associate with it. I think it's definitely a universal experience that you kind of go through a phase of not wanting to be associated with it at all because of how other people react to it. I mean, Harini, Mitra, have you, did you guys go through the same thing? Yeah, I did. I had this phase where I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be called a feminist. I believed in women's rights and equality and all the things that I do believe in now. Like, that didn't change. I think it was just the word itself, the term that was slightly intimidating to me for some reason. And that's so funny now, because we literally have this podcast and we've done an episode debunking feminist myths, the issues around the word itself and the connotation surrounding it, which kind of makes it hard to admit, but but thank God we've moved on from that. Going back to that point about feminism being a journey and learning from past mistakes, have you guys ever felt like you've had gaps in your feminist knowledge and like you've had to educate yourself on it or have you like drastically changed your mind about something over the years? So absolutely like especially on your first point about thinking that I had gaps in my feminist knowledge. I came into university thinking oh yeah I'm pretty pretty well read on feminism 
um, you know, I understand intersectionality and all of these things. And I had kind of a vague, vague idea of what these terms were and what they meant. Um, but I didn't really understand a lot of the experiences behind them um, because obviously I haven't had any every type of intersectional experience of feminism. So I think meeting lots of different people um, and sharing those experiences with other people definitely you know, opened up to me that I was missing out on a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, um, even if it's just anecdotal information that I was getting. Um, something that really like sticks in my mind a lot actually was I attended a session of the Oxford FemSoc and it was a debate about choice feminism and I had no idea what choice feminism was um, and I was just sat there just completely silent just drinking my wine just listening to everyone and they wouldn't even like leave a second between where someone else would jump in with this really eloquent point all about choice feminism and they got into the topic about sex work and is sex work um is it a choice is it empowering so things like only fans and it was just questions i'd never really considered and there were just lots of different points being made about only fans has you know empowered women to take ownership over their own body but then also people were making the points about you know there's lots of women that are forced into sex work uh, and trafficked because of it and so there's you know that's not exactly a choice and that's not very empowering so there was I think it just made me very very aware that there was still just so much out there for me to learn and to be honest I think I found that really exciting to come to university and realize you know I'm not just learning my degree I get to learn so much more about feminism and just the world around me really. That also links to the point about having opinions about everything or like for the sake of having an opinion because with activism not just feminism but all activist movements I think I feel like there's this sort of need to now have an opinion on everything and if you don't have an opinion you're not actively contributing to the movement and it's this fear that we all kind of have of being a bystander, which is valid, I guess. We all want to try and play a part, and I definitely do too. It's just dangerous to have an opinion and enforce it, propagate it, when you're not as aware or educated about something. It's actually okay to step back and let people who know more about certain things to have the opinions. Reading and educating yourself is enough. I think we can't all have a stance on every single thing and it's important to rest a bit and not do the most, I guess. Even with the choice feminism stuff you were talking about, Mitra, like in that situation, it was okay to listen and it was okay to be in a st state of learning and say that you are in a position where you're not as informed yet. And, and that's a good thing. Um, like Faye, you'll remember this, but that day in your room with the neo-pronouns, that's quite a good example yeah yeah i think i said something along the lines of um i don't really understand neo pronouns because i i think they invalidate kind of non-binary people's choice to use like they them and it kind of seems i don't know i i said something like that and our friend min said actually people use neo pronouns because they feel like they don't fit into the binary and they them or she her or he him obviously like implies that there's that binary and my opinion was completely changed and it was just such a nice environment because it didn't feel like there was any judgment but what I had done there was just be really kind of hasty to form an opinion on something that I didn't have enough knowledge about and I think maybe people are, are 
uh, do the same thing when it comes to feminism. I know that I I probably did before. I educate myself about things and now I'm a little bit more reserved when it comes to stuff that I don't know. And it's important that we admit that we don't know that. We can say that actually I don't know a lot about that subject, but I would love to learn more and then hear a balanced argument. But it's, it's great when that comes from friends because you know that they have, uh, they you know that they think that you're like trying to have the best opinion or uh, are open to getting your opinion changed, if that makes sense. Yeah, especially with the rise of cancel culture. I think it's very difficult to admit that you've changed your mind about stuff or that your opinion before isn't your opinion now because you're like, oh no, like what are people going to think of me? Gosh, what are they going to say? But that's just not a healthy way to learn. If you get something wrong in school, you don't just never put your hand up again. That's not the kind of environment that facilitates learning. It's okay to be wrong. And it's also okay to say that you're misinformed. So the next question that we wrote was about what is your biggest issue with feminists or if they don't identify as feminists with women that you disagree with? Okay, for context with this question... So me and Camille had this Zoom call before when we were trying to work out what questions we wanted to ask. And this question, the point we were making was whether we could have good and bad feminism. Obviously, we've had a conversation about cancel culture and feminism being a journey and growth. And you guys have also said stuff like that. And I was basically saying that there's situations where maybe they're not bad feminists as such, but certain people make me really quite mad and frustrated like the whole white feminism stuff not taking intersectionality into consideration or only empowering white female voices so we were saying does that make them bad feminists or can we sympathize more and say at least they're doing something because in the case I'm talking about I think it's actually really harmful to not go the full way with feminism and only I guess use it as a tool to serve your own agenda but then saying bad feminist also feels slightly unnuanced because things aren't so black and white right especially in regard to that learning and growing that we spoke about before so that was kind of the rationale behind this question the first person who comes to mind has to be jk rowling i believe she replied to a article that referred to people who menstruate rather than specifying a specific gender and she essentially came in um saying that people who menstruate should be called women because of the issues that women deal with in their lives in a patriarchal society and reducing that down to people who menstruate and excluding trans people from that conversation is the right thing to do. She essentially was labelled a turf as a result of it and to be honest I agree with that assessment. I think you know there's definitely a cancel culture that exists online um, in this society where you know, someone says something a bit out of place and it get, they get shut down completely and just torn to pieces. But I think, you know, if you're able to learn and correct yourself and admit that you're at fault and develop from that, then I don't think you should necessarily hold it over their head and prevent them from growing as a person as a result of that. But my issue with JK Rowling is that so many people spoke out against it, so many people provided you know, just so much evidence and educational resources, not only to her, but to other people that believed this. And she just didn't change her stance at all or reevaluate it and realise that maybe actually she might have the wrong wrong end of the stick here. 
So I think that's why I really don't like her. Not necessarily because, well, I, I, I'm not a fan because she said something that was wrong, but especially because she just refused to change her opinion on it. That really got to me. Yeah, I think in regard to your point about learning with JK Rowling, like she just didn't take any of the criticism she was receiving on board at all. She didn't change her mind about it, even though she was being educated. Kind of illustrates the whole point about what you said before, Mitra, about feminism being draining in some sense. Because it's definitely frustrating to put all this energy into trying to educate people, only for them to not listen. It's the most dangerous, like, habit that like anyone and with any opinion has is just like the um whether or not that opinion is right like listening to the other side is the most important thing that you can do it's always important to like even opinions that you you would never think that you would change listening at least is educating yourself about you know why people believe things that they do when they're they're you know not not true the next question I would ask is, have you ever felt like someone is a better feminist than you? I mean, I ask because I actually don't think I have, personally. If I see a woman walking down the street, right, I'll think stuff like, oh, she's got a way better fashion sense than me, or she's prettier than me, or even with my friends, like, my friends deal with certain things way better than I do, but I don't think I've ever been... I've never considered that in relation to feminism. I've never thought, oh, you're doing feminism way better than I am, or you're doing stuff worse than me. Like, for example, I'll make fun of my friends, right, for their choice of men, like in a jokey way, but I've never once thought, oh, one of you's a better feminist because you're more mature about that stuff, or your type is a certain thing, or whatever. So I think any guilt, like we've we've talked about guilt in this episode as well, that I've had, or when I've considered myself not good enough as a feminist, probably comes from myself. I don't think it comes from other people making me feel that, or as a point of comparison with other women. So, I would say that I've seen better feminists in my friends than I would consider myself. And I think that probably was mostly when I was in sixth form. And again, like people started to date. And um, I think my friend um, started dating this guy and then like halfway through um, he said something about being like affiliated with like conservative and liking Boris and she just turned around and said like that's not my kind of political opinion and therefore like that is just completely ended now like nothing is going to go nowhere like he's not going to change his opinion it's not my job to change his opinion. And I think before that, I had maybe had a bit more of a reserved attitude to being like friends with people who have different political ideas to me or dating people who maybe had like a little bit of a different opinion on feminism to me. And I think after that, after hearing that, I was like, actually, no, like politics is a really important part of of everyone and dictates a lot about a relationship. And I think I would find it kind of hard to be with someone who didn't respect my opinions when it came to politics and feminism. And that was definitely something I learned just by like watching someone who I considered like a better feminist than I was at the time. And I think that is like, it's really important to surround yourself with people who you consider like role models in a way, 
but yeah that was really like rewarding I think yeah I definitely agree and I certainly relate to what Faye you were saying um and actually to us I think this is quite probably a nice place to say it because I think Harini and Mitra were probably two of the feminists that like at the time I was looking up to and that would have like helped me seen situations where I should have stood up for myself or things like that and I think they've definitely shaped like a lot of the feminism that like I stand by today so I definitely agree with what you said about like surrounding yourself with role models um and it, like teaching you to stand up for yourself in situations where you can be a stronger feminist than like at the time it feels like you can and I think it definitely it definitely makes a difference so I think if there's anyone listening if there's one lesson that I think they should probably take from this is about surrounding yourself with feminists that you look up to because like it makes it makes such a world of difference honestly oh Camille that's so sweet and like honestly like the same I feel the exact same way in the sense that I'm just so proud to be you know such good friends with you and Harini and Calvina and just seeing all of the amazing work that you do and whenever I'm talking to my friends I'm always like oh my gosh like my best friends have this podcast um, and this blog and I'm just so so happy to be associated with just such incredible and strong women like yourselves and you know I find that it's really inspiring to be surrounded by not just good feminists but active feminists and even when you know I'm not being an active feminist myself it inspires me to you know take that step and continue to improve my feminism and you know when I say improve my feminism I don't necessarily mean that I was bad before. I just mean that I'm growing and my feminism is getting better in that sense. So yeah, I, I'm just really, really proud of you three. Oh guys, that's actually so sweet. <laughs> um, and I definitely agree in terms of looking up to women, having female role models. And I find a lot of women really very inspirational. I just think I don't ever really relate it back to feminism for some reason. I don't know why, because actually... I agree with what you guys have been saying. In my head, I think it's normally like, wow, I want to be like them, they're really inspirational. And yeah, I definitely learn a lot from my friends and the people I surround myself with. But we all have different skill sets and passions and I just never really thought that any of us were doing it better or worse. And personally, I know that I've got a long way to go, but then so does everyone. And it just links back to that journey we were talking about and that we're all pretty imperfect, but that doesn't really make us bad feminists. Okay, so back to the whole point of this episode. Do you think that bad feminism is real? Do you think it exists? Do you think it's an issue that permeates society today? I think there could be a danger in saying that bad feminism doesn't exist because if we're to say that bad feminism doesn't exist, it's difficult to say what is good feminism, I think. It's always good to have something to define yourself like in opposition to, but I think it's really important to recognize that even some of the best like feminist thinkers, the, some of the most popular feminist thinkers can have imperfections in their work. And it's really important to acknowledge that and not just kind of like idolize them to the point where, you know, we're not actually listening to the the bulk of what they're putting forward. And um, I, I know from studying a couple of texts um, in my in my degree that there are points from, you know, 60 
70 years ago that are still really really valid i'm thinking particularly of the second sex and the um the chapter about motherhood where she talks a little bit about abortion most of those arguments are completely valid and and the same as they are today you saw a lot of them cropping up again in the Roe um, versus Wade debate and I think it I think it's also important at the same time to recognize that even Simone de Beauvoir had a lot of imperfections in her in her text and I think you know she said that women have different nervous systems which mean that we're more inclined to being hysterical um, which is kind of you know all feminists today would would <laughs> would disagree with that almost most feminists everyone who i can consider a feminist would disagree with that and i think maybe that's the point is that um if there isn't bad feminism then that it's not feminism if if you get what i mean so maybe those points of her texts i wouldn't even consider to be under that bracket so it, it's kind of a question i think of language but I think it can be like a useful linguistic term to say something's bad, if that makes sense. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Faye and Mitra, for coming on. I really did learn a lot in this conversation and I, I really enjoyed this week's episode, actually. I, I love talking about it. If you have enjoyed this episode feel free to check out our website www.newslondon.co.uk where we post new blogs and articles every week. If you'd also like to get in touch, give us feedback or contribute blogs and articles, you can contact us via our email which is admin at newslondon.co.uk or you can check out our Instagram and DM us at news underscore LDN. This was the News Podcast.